Boys have penises, girls have vaginas. Or do they? Let's talk about it. Uh, that's, Intro I music. I don't Intro. think that's this podcast. Intro music. That's, that's how we start every episode now. Some kind of catchy uh, clickbait shit. That we, that we then don't talk about at all? No. No. We got but we got to talk about gender norms in 2020. I don't know. Versus kindergarten cop. Why kindergarten cop is gender biased. There you go. Why kindergarten cop well, I think it is anti-tumor. Well, it, it isn't any movie that has like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in it like biased to men. Like, I mean. Wasn't there a movie where Arnold had to dress like a lady? I know in Total Recall he dressed like a lady. But I thought there was one where he was mostly lady or something. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I'm I'm slipping. Slipping in my old age with my Arnold fiction. Arnold trivia. Arnold knowledge. Arnold. So, uh, you like writing? You wouldn't think. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting a lot of writing done. I've been writing every day. Yeah. Not a lot of words. <laughs> I'm up to like 4,000 words on the short story I was writing. And I've been writing that for like a month and a half now. That's not a good turnout for me, I don't think. But the story is coming along pretty good. It's just when I sit down to write, I get like three or 400 words in. And then I just either get distracted. Well, it's like I've been writing late at night, too. So I just want to go to bed. Yeah. I, I need to quit my day job. Mm. How do you quit your day job and still make lots of money? Drugs. See, I was thinking we go back to the initial... Within the first ten or twenty episodes, we decided we were gonna become mumble rappers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So maybe we should. Uh, now we've got all this fine equipment in the studio. Maybe we should invest in some mumble rap. Uh, oh, we need like attitude thing. Mm. I, I think you could do that on your phone now. Actually, probably. Uh, there's also uh, prostitution. I call dibs on pimp. You can be the prostitute. See, here's the problem with that. With the coronavirus in town, I I don't think that's uh. I don't think you're going to get a lot of business. Especially if you're just starting out. Not a good time to start <laughs> out. Like, you can't be on the corner. I'm sure you could find some lonely people. <laughs> There's always lonely people. I don't I don't, I don't. know, man. I don't really want to be a prostitute. That's a hard road to go down. <laughs> of course, you could get some good writing ideas. Yeah. Some story ideas that pop up from that. And among other things popping up from that. You know what I'm saying? Boners in your butt. In the morning. <laughs> I still wish we had good radio voices so we could be like the fucking shitty radio DJs. I feel like if you throw it in the morning after anything, it just makes it better. That's the cold open, Spencer. You know why? Because it's cold. And it's open. For discussion. In the morning. Hello, listener. This is the Drunk Up and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, with the most, Caleb James. I'm going to talk in very short, punchy sentences for the whole episode. You can do the clicking. That, that would get super annoying. That <laughs> actually started off annoying. I was annoying myself. Uh, with me today, he has a good name I picked off the map. Spencer, the Tanzanian Taint Tickler Church. <laughs> it's a good one. By the way, there's a uh, Irish mythological beast that runs up and tickles your taint in the woods. Uh-huh. There's not, but there might be. I don't know. 
I make things up sometimes. That's why I'm a writer. Speaking of writers, we're not going to actually be talking about writing per se. We're talking about the best on-screen writers. Yes, that's right. 20 great movies about writers brought to you by Paste Magazine. You ever read Paste Magazine? No. Maybe you should. Now, some magazines I've read in the past got kind of pasty. Like, the pages stuck together, but not yeah, yeah, not in the digital age. Those are kind of the ones that you find in the woods. The magazines? <laughs> yeah. Are... <laughs> I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time in random woods. Hmm. Just had a delightful thought. I could have picnics in my backyard now that I have those nice trees. Picnics. The things that you do without dirty magazines by your side. You can have dirty magazines. I'm not hating. Something has to be in that picnic little basket, right? Hey, boo-boo. Number one, Adaptation, 2002. I didn't know this was a Spike Jones movie. I also no, never watched this movie, I don't think. Is yeah, I've, I've seen this. It's been a while, but yeah, I didn't know it was a Spike Jones movie. This is the Nicolas Cage movie you're talking about, right? Yeah. Spike Jones's meta-movie is based on Susan Orlean's book, The Orchid Thief. The script is written by Charlie Kaufman and stars Nicolas Cage as Charlie Kaufman. That's very meta. Mm. And his imaginary twin, Donald. Although purportedly an adaptation of Orlean's book, it's really a movie about creativity and writer's block. The events of the book are pretty tangential. It's a bizarre film combining elements of absurdist and dark comedy with a kind of passionate, high-romantic treatise on obsession and a multi-layered meditation on writing about writing about writing. Meryl Streep, Chris Cooper, Tilda Swinton, and Kara Seymour all turn in excellent performances as Cage introduces, I need a muffin! As a euphemism for inability to focus. Oh, I do remember that scene. Yeah. The film might come closest of any film about the craft of writing to depicting how strange and consuming and quixotic an endeavor it really is. I might have to rewatch a couple of these movies because any time that I've ever watched probably anything that's going to be on this list. You weren't writing. Well, yeah, I had no inkling or, you know, thought or idea of ever, you know. That Nicolas Cage movie, uh, I have seen parts of that, but I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. Isn't that the... Is there like a scene in there where he's at a typewriter or something? And he's like freaking out. I think so, yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, it's Nicholas Cage, so he's always freaking out. Yeah, and he could very well be in a type at a typewriter in most situations for some reason. Number two, I think I watched this with Mindy, and I think it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like a one of those YA type of movies. You know what I'm talking mm. about? Number two, Adult World, 2013. I did watch this because it has. Fucking Emma Roberts, who always has that stank face. You know what I mean? I can say, yeah, the, the, the picture is not very, uh... She ain't no Julia Roberts, that's for show. She's more of a... Who's Julia Roberts' brother? That's the, Eric Roberts, the one they always made fun of on South Park back in the day. That's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that That's his kid, Emma Roberts. So you want to be a protege, huh? Good luck with that. Scott Coffey's modestly scaled film about an aspiring young poet. That's why I didn't like it. Emma Roberts, who ends up working in a porn shop, is peppered with rife, stinging little comments about aging and ebbing relevance that hit especially hard for people who grew up alongside John Cusack. Cusack plays Rat Billings, the asshat washed up writer she's talking, she's stalking for mentoring, as is terribly often the case. Being repeatedly rejected by this guy gives her a certain school of hard knocks education that a welcoming mentor never would. Actually, that movie wasn't that bad. I just, it just seemed a little pretentious. Like I was just going to say pretentious, it seems like. Yeah, I just, I just, I get it. A little fool of itself. It's one of those ones I think Mindy fell asleep immediately and yeah. I watched the whole movie and I was like, great. Not a better person for watching this movie. Number three, An Angel at My Table, 1990. That girl's got a head of hair on her. Right. If that's a girl. 
Looks like Ralph Mouth when he was a baby. No one does writer movies quite like Jane Campion. Campion. An Angel at My Table is based on the work and life of New Zealand writer Janet Frame, who is portrayed as a child, Alexia Koo, an adolescent, Karen Ferguson, and an adult, Carrie Fox. Campion's lyrical, intimate, compositional sensibility and sure-footed pacing are much in evidence, and the story is a... The fuck is that word? Payon? To idiocracy... This guy's throwing in some words, man. This guy's trying to really punch us up, man. Trying to get that high score in Scrabble. Yeah, he is. And the story is a pay-on to idiosyncrasy and the sheer beauty of human creativity. There's a distinctly distinctly writerly attention to detail. And even at two and a half hours long, it totally sustains your attention. A beautiful film. That one doesn't sound interesting. This is not a, a gentleman, by the way. I'm a piece of shit for fucking mislabeling this person. Misgendering. It's Amy Clint. Mm. Glenn, Glenn, mm. G L Y N N, another Glenn with Y. We just had that in the comic book episode, didn't we? Probably. Number four, Barton Fink, nineteen ninety one. Is that uh, what's that guy's name? He's always in great movies. Yeah, uh, yeah, the John uh, Turter, Turter, right? Turturro, yeah, Turturro. He was uh, yeah, the uh, you know he's Mr. been Deeds. Yeah, in the Mr. Deeds and Adam Sandler movies, he was the weird guy in uh, Secret Window, you know, like FBI guy from uh, Transformers. Yeah. He's about the everybody knows him. I'll show you the life of the mind. John Turturro, John Goodman, and the indispensable in a writer movie, Judy Davis, star in the Coen Brothers film about why being a writer is hell. Why was it all uh, one word sentences there? Anyway, talk to another writer. You'll throw a rock in here. You'll hit one. And do me a favor, Fink. Throw it hard. Turner's titular character, generally recognized to be an avatar of Clifford Oditz, is a New York playwright who has come to Hollywood in the golden age when real writers wrote for the pictures, the move of picture shows, and has promptly found himself in over his head. Goodman is his neighbor in the hotel where he's living, and Judy Davis is an Emanuenez for a character with probably Faulkner, John Mahoney, and a love interest. A brutal treatment of the brutal treatment of... What? The, a brutal treatment of the brutal treatment of creative professionals. The film is relentlessly intense, funny, and horrifying. Oh, this lady's gonna kill me, man. Why? Why are these words and sentences... So big. <laughs> it's not even that they're big, it's just the way they're set up, man. Mouthful. Mouthful is the word that I'm looking for. Before Night Falls, 2000. That's a classy looking lady. Being gay in Castro's Cuba in the 1940s was not easy. Julian Schnabel. I don't do this anymore. You want to call it? Just want to call it? We made it to five. (laughs) (laughs) The quarter away. Oh, man. It's just. Maybe I'm just extra dumb today. I've been reading some strange fiction lately that's muddled my mind, but having problems here. You bet. Uh, I know what you've been reading. Shut up. We ain't talking about that. Let me try this one more time. Take two. Being gay in Castro's Cuba in the 1940s was was not easy. Julian Schnabel. Why is there so many letters? Schnabel's impressionistic imagining of the life of Cuban exile Reynaldo Arenas stars Javier Bardem as the persecuted poet and novelist. Schnabel's painterly film style and sense of visual imagery are worth attention for sure, with the engine of the movie is Bardem's forceful, cliche-resisting performance. 
Number six, Before Sunset, 2004. I haven't heard a lot of these. Is that Ethan Hawke? Yeah, it looks like Ethan. It's easy. It's either Ethan Hawke or Kevin Bacon. It's one of the two. It's Ethan Hawke, and they better have Dead Poet Society on here. That's all I'm saying. Fucks. If it, if they don't, I'm throwing this article in the trash, which means I'm throwing my phone in the <laughs> trash. Which means I'm throwing the whole podcast in the trash. On the ground. Do it on the ground. It's not every day that a sequel earns its right to exist, both in the context of and independent from its predecessor. But this human-scale little drama pulls it off. Richard Linklater's meditation on romance and inspiration follows Ethan Hawke's novelist, Jesse, on a European book tour. I wish I was on a fucking European book tour. Great. Maybe not now. Maybe maybe not at the moment. Where he's reading from the book inspired by his run-in with Celine, Julie Delpy. Almost a decade ago and spending one out-of-time day with her to try and figure out what's what might have been. Linklater makes intelligent use of languorous long takes to underscore how little time the characters have to find some kind of closure, how little time any of us have, really. It's, I don't... Ah, I'm not doing it. Just fucking look up the movie yourself. Go on the show notes to read this article for yourself. I'm summarizing a lot of these now. Spencer... I want you to be the cutoff man. When it, when it just going to start sounding stupid, I just want you to go, cut, done. What, what is it? Wrap it up. You can be the wrap it up guy. Too bad I don't have like a, the, the music they play like at the Oscars. I could just it. Reading these paragraphs makes me feel like I'm rambling. Number seven, Bright Star, 2009. I don't like that guy's haircut. No. Uh, what? Yeah. Is it the is haircut? Nowhere, yeah. Is it is it the hair or the like the huge mutton chops that that got you? I can't zoom in, so I don't know if that's a deformed ear sticking out, but I don't like any of it. Oh, poor John Keats. The annoyingly talented romantic poet managed to produce a stunning and quite substantial body of work before his death at the ripe age of twenty-four. Tuberculosis ran in the family, and mercury poisoning probably hastened the inevitable. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My phone couldn't handle the article. It just says "aw oh, snap" and it just shut off. I did that. I just did that to me. I just I backed out and then went back to the page. Is that as far as we get to go in this article? Oh man, we almost made it half. Oh, not even half. You know what? I'm just gonna before that happens again. I'm just gonna read these. Bright Star is number seven. Number eight, Henry in June, 1990. Number nine, Impromptu, 1991. Number ten, Midnight in Paris is a movie I like. That's about Owen Wilson's character. It's a Woody Allen movie. I didn't realize it was that old. 2011? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you ever see that? It's about no. Owen Wilson, who's marrying some chick that doesn't like him or something. Is that the one with um uh Andrew yes. J. Clay in it, too? Or is that... A- I don't think so. It's got a uh, dude who plays Loki, Tom Hiddleston. Uh, but it's about Owen Wilson's character. He goes back in time... And I'm going to give you my summary, and then I'm going to read from this just so we can see how convoluted they can make this. Probably make it, like, perfectly succinct. Um, But Owen Wilson's character, he's in Paris, and he goes back in time on this, like, cobblestone street. He gets picked up by a carriage or something, takes him back in time, and then he meets with – because he's an author. He wrote a novel, but he doesn't know – because he's, like, a – he's, like, a – not a famous – maybe, like, a famous screenwriter. Like, he makes movies, scripts. Like, probably, like, like known in the business, but probably not the, like, fans. Yeah, and, but he wants to be an actual novelist. Well, he ends up going back in time, and at first he doesn't know what's happening, but he meets the lost generation there. So he meets uh, Gertrude Stein, Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald and his wife. What's the dude with the crazy mustache? Uh, Salvador Dali's there. Like, he meets all kinds of fucking yeah. famous old, you know, dead people. 
And then they give him writing advice. And it was, a, it was an entertaining film, but it's also a love film. Mm. Yep, it's Woody Allen and yeah, I know. But this film... Oh, I'm, I read that way too excitedly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's putting Woody Allen down because he's a creeper. I, uh, <laughs> I did the opposite. I gave that too much punch. I made it sound like, a, like she loves Woody Allen. Let me read that better. Yep, it's Woody Allen. And yeah, I know. That's, that's how it's supposed yeah, to be yeah. read. Yep. But... <laughs> But this film has a whimsical, stylish thing going on that cannot be denied in good conscience. Owen Wilson is Gil Pender, a hopeful novelist in love with Paris the way Alan has always been in love with New York, and he finds himself tumbling into a golden age fantasia of the city and hobnobbing with Hemingway and Gertrude Stein. It's a sentimental movie and oddly intoxicating, an escapist movie about escapism. I, uh, I kind of want to do that with all fiction now and stuff, like read stories out loud but emphasize things improperly. <laughs> so if somebody's like I'm trying to think of what I keep hitting this fucking thing. I'm trying to think of a good example. Um like like maybe like a scene from To Kill a Mockingbird or something like real depressing and sad. But I just like punch I'll, it up and make I'll it sound be. happy, yeah. Number eleven's misery, nineteen ninety. Yeah, that was a good movie. Number twelve, Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle ninety four. 13, My Brilliant Career, 1979. I actually thought that said my butthole career. I was about to be much more interested. Do you notice most of these uh, images are of a guy and a lady embracing? In in old-timey clothes? Yeah. Because that's the only time people wrote. Apparently. 14, Naked Lunch, 92. This is one I always heard about but never watched. And I only heard about it because they always talked about it on Seinfeld. Uh, I'm going to read about Naked Lunch. Yeah, I don't know about... Sometimes I have anxiety dreams set in a place that looks like a labyrinth. Why is labyrinth spelled like that? Labyrinthine? It's a labyrinthine. Is that like a labyrinth, but extra fancy? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a labyrinthine, surreal North African city. I have no idea where my subconscious got this landscape, but once I saw Naked Lunch, it was clear David Cronenberg, I like David Cronenberg, was having the same dream. I'm not sure how to, f- oh, that's like a fucking weird movie, isn't it? I mean, Naked Lunch, I would assume. I thought it was, like, weird. Like, I remember seeing, uh, I might have actually saw this when I was, like, a little kid, and that's why it sticks out with me. It was, like, really fucking strange with David Cronenberg, uh, so. This great train wreck writer, William Lee, a stand-in for Burroughs, played by Peter Weller, is the subject of this wonderfully depressing and creepy film, and his wife is played by, yes, Judy Davis! She loves her some Judy Davis, apparently. He's addled, addicted to cockroach exterminating chemicals, and shoots his wife in the head while playing William Tell at a party. True story. Okay. From there, he descends into a nightmare scape of paranoid fantasy in which he hallucinates that his wife is still alive and that he's being pursued by shadowy forces. Yeah, I do remember some scenes from that movie. It's very bizarre. Number 15, The Pillow Book, 96. That's another couple. They're in a tub this time. 16, The Player. That was uh, 1992. Oh, is that uh, Tim Robbins? Yes. Yes, yes. He's looking like Gordon Gecko. I don't know if I like the suit. 17, Quills from 2000. I love this movie uh, about the Marquis de Sade. It was uh, Jeffrey Rush. No, I don't think I've ever seen it. He, he can't stop writing. It's like set back in fucking uh, Victorian times, and he just can't stop writing about sex and turning everybody all horned up. He's getting everybody all horny, getting them real horny. And uh, when they're all horny, they... Uh, getting hot in here. Getting hot in here in those big old dresses with the poofs. And they get mad at him for him making them horny. So they end up like, hey, can't write no more. But he keeps writing. And then they're like, hey, really, dude, you can't be writing this smut. And then they end up, long story short, 
He's locked up in like a cage, has no way to write. So what does he write with? On the wall, using his own feces and or blood. He really loved smut. So he was he was writing sexy things in shit. Yeah. He's a pornographer before pornography was visual. Um, but he's also like a sadism. So it was like bondage, and beating, and like really improper stuff. Not just like, you know, Victorian prudish stuff that uh, people look down on. It was even it was even worse. But fisting Spencer. Number 18, Shakespeare in Love, 1998. Fuck Shakespeare in Love. Fuck it in the ass. And you too, Gwyneth Paltrow, you shithead. I'm sorry, that movie beat Saving Private Ryan. You know that, yeah, right? At the yeah. Oscars? How? That is ridiculous. How does that movie fucking beat Saving Private Ryan? Oh, that makes me sick. <laughs> makes I think it would beat Pulp Fiction as well. Wasn't that 98? Let me look it up. Maybe I'm thinking of something. Maybe Pulp Fiction was 94. Yeah, I think Pulp Fiction was a little bit earlier. Shawshank Redemption, maybe? Sh- 1998 Oscars. Here we go. <clears throat> Sorry, some things need to be examined. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Titanic came out in 98. Maybe I'm, uh... Is it Shakespeare in Love, or am I thinking of... I think it's shitty Shakespeare in Love. Oh, what's, what was the Leonardo DiCaprio one? Titanic? No, but he did, like, a Shakespeare movie, too, right? Yeah. 99. I was a year off. Shakespeare in Love... One in 99, it beat... Oh, it's not going to tell me, is it? Oh, come on, you fucking... You know, the internet is a wonderful tool when it wants to be. Usually it's just butt stuff and hot dog fiction. It's a new genre in creative. Hot dog make. fiction? It's work its way suddenly into conversations. Now. Yeah, it's going to be about like that airplane book, but about hot dogs. See erotic fiction episode 290, <laughs> whatever, I don't know the number. 1990, no, not 1890. 1999 Best Picture nominees. I just want you to know what got beat out. Shakespeare in Love beat Life is Beautiful, Elizabeth, Saving Private Ryan, and The Thin Red Line. So it beat Saving Private. How do you beat Saving yeah. Private Ryan? That was a good, fucking amazing movie. I hate the internet because that's around the time. No, you know what I'm. I'm not talk about. We're almost done, Caleb. Almost done. I lost the article. I accidentally closed it out. <laughs> so he must be done. You have to read the title. I close it out. Just read the titles of the next. Uh, eighteen Sunset Boulevard. That's a good movie. Yeah, and then twenty is Wonder Boy. Wonder Boys. What's Wonder Boys? What year is that? Uh, two thousand. Um, I think it's that weird. It has a. Uh, it's that weird movie that had like Tobey Maguire, um, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and uh. Where well, they had like a weird like relationship together. Yeah, um, I didn't want to see Tobey Maguire uh, relation with anybody. Yeah, uh, Douglas is like one like the old or see like at the, the you know you know that movie. Michael Douglas. Yes. How so. much would you pay to see Michael Douglas have a sex scene now? Now in a movie, <laughs> I do at least to pick pick like with who or you get to pick. Here's your three options. <laughs> Think about it long and deep. Really burn into your subconscious. Mark Ruffalo, Shia LaBeouf, and uh, Kathy Bates. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I feel like Shia would give it his all. <laughs> yeah, he would. He would. Uh... I feel like Mark Ruff- Ruffalo would. Well, be you wouldn't want to get him angry. I wouldn't want to see his face. I don't <laughs> like his face. He always makes that. Weird. Even before he's Hulk, he makes that face. 
Okay, if it makes you feel better, Mark Ruffalo as fucking shriveled armed Hulk. <laughs> You fit that arm in better places. Yeah, you don't actually have to pick. That's a yeah. That's a no I was I wasn't going to. <laughs> Just wanted you to think about it. That's all. Hotter babe in the nineties, Kathy Bates. That's not fair. That's not fair to Kathy Bates. I won't put her on the list. I'll go more obscure. Juliet Lewis, um, natural born killers. Juliet Lewis. We'll go Gwyneth Paltrow, Shakespeare in Love, since you love that fucking movie so much. All that comedy. Bullshit. Before she was sticking eggs in her, you know, hoo-ha. You know what? I just never really thought Gwen Paltrow was that attractive. Except for in Shallow How, ironically enough. Because I remember she, there's a scene where she's, like, wearing a thong. And yeah. Like, hey, you know what? She's a pretty lady. But then every other movie, she just came, I don't know. Just, well, she was always very thin and flare and, like, you know. Frail. That's like Nicole Kidman. I thought she was pretty hot in the Eyes Wide Shut movie. But then everything else, I'm like, well, she's, like, so skinny. Yeah. Yeah, I like I don't like the thin, super thin ladies that often. Big head, big head. Does she have a big? Well, she does now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know when she was getting Tom Cruise. If she, you know, what I mean? he was cruising. The big, I don't think she was getting Tom Cruise. She didn't have the big Botox head then. That's, <laughs> that's it. Should we do a gossip podcast? <laughs> yeah. Should we just start doing? Bo- Maybe we'll just do bo- uh, gossip episodes. We're just like, we didn't even like new gossip. Gossip from like the nineties. Yeah, like one of those shitty TMZ shows. <laughs> Speaking of big heads that have gotten out of control, Juliet Lewis is he- her head has gotten. She's like uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah, her head has gotten bigger weird. as she got older. She was kind of pretty for a while, but yeah, then she got. Uh, well, she did that one movie. What the fuck was the name of that movie? She played like a special needs person. Oh, uh, I don't. I but know. I don't think she was really acting that hard. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she's actually very talented. Apparently, yeah, she's a really good singer and stuff. I don't know why I'm shitting on Juliet Lewis. I just, just, a, just a shitty dancer. Just a shitty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dancing wasn't uh, up to par, I guess. Oh, wait, are you thinking of Elaine Bennis? Yeah, that's what I'm I said Julia Lewis, yes, not uh, not Julie Louise Dreyfus. Uh, she has a big head too, doesn't she? Yeah, she was a pretty lady. No, I'm talking about Julia Lewis, uh, Natural Born Killer. Uh, what else was she in that you would have saw? Um... That movie Robert De Niro, uh, Cape Fear, I think it was yeah. called. I think I know who. Yeah, I, I think he, I know. if you yeah. saw her. Hey, yeah, man. you know what? We're gonna go there. Yeah, because I was making fun of the handicap because I'm a fucking dickhead. Uh. <laughs> Worst representation of a mentally challenged person person in a movie and best rep- representation by non-disabled people. By the way, give a shout out to The Ringer. People always like try to say that was an exploitive film. But they, they had, had all the actors were actually yeah, uh, like they had people with Down syndrome, autism, different things, and they actually let them be in the movie and yeah. act. Great fucking movie, like because they, they treat them like people. Yeah, which I don't know why people had a problem with that. Another one was that uh, Peanut Butter Falcon movie I watched recently with uh, Shia LaBeouf, and uh, the co-actor, I guess he's like the co-main star, he has Down syndrome, and a lot of people were giving Shia, Shia shit saying like he was making fun of him or something, and they were like really good friends, so I don't know why people do that. No, the Rosie O'Donnell, do you remember that movie Rosie O'Donnell was in where she played like, uh, I think, what was that movie The Other Sister? Was that Julia Lewis or, or was that Rosie O'Donnell? I don't remember Rosie O'Donnell in any movie. I'm going to bring that up on my phone for you. You know, this 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 has gone downhill. Shouldn't be talking about this. You should probably just stop recording. Probably cut all this out. So let's bring it back on topic. So we're only thirty minutes in. To kind of keep it on theme, uh, and it's not it's not movies, but uh, we're both fans of the show Californication. That would be 
a great and again and again especially because you know whenever we first watched that again we were just watching it for entertainment now i'm sure we could yeah. watch it and it'd just be a whole just like ah, that's funny but also really relating yeah. and sad yeah, Californication was great because that was more of a debaucherous yeah. side of the writing life because he was like the Hollywood writing guy. But he was more like a kind of a combination of Hunter S. Thompson and uh, maybe like a Dylan Thomas or somebody like yeah. a kind of a drunk kind but of you know, was party a, who, guy. Who was like a real lady? Like what was like a lady man's writer? Uh, ladies man writer? Hmm. I don't know. Hemingway maybe? He was kind of a party animal too. But Hank Moody doesn't really uh, fit the overly masculine. But they always do. Yeah. Like, if you go watch videos on YouTube about, like, how to be an alpha male, and it's always Hank Moody. Well, yeah, because he's like, so smooth. He's so smooth. And, and, I mean, he was always first to, like, punch somebody. Yeah, he always was. Even, yeah, it was always entertaining. <laughs> he didn't matter if he was going to get his ass kicked or not. But Yeah. Uh, the movie Genius is pretty good about Thomas Wolfe's life. What other good writing movies and TV shows? Well, there's not a lot, really. No. Like, that are actually really good. There was that uh, that John. I didn't see that movie. That Johnny Depp movie about the something window or something. Was that like a Stephen King? Oh yeah, the se- yeah, Secret Window. Yeah, but though I mean, you could do that with like most of the Stephen King stories are writers. So fucking hack. Can't write about other people. Like, why didn't he write about a mechanic? Huh? Tell uh-huh. me. You tell me. You buddy. You go hang out. With yeah, we're. Tea parties. Best friends. Best friends forever. I'm the one who named his dog. No, you didn't. You didn't name anything. No. Name that fist up your face hole. No. Well, this episode sucks, so I'm just going to end it. Uh, if you folks, you know what? I will give out some two bits of news. One, 2020 election is still going on. Somehow. Like, I thought after, like, the last week's stupid, or whenever that was, where you just kind of made fun of the election going on forever... Like, okay, well, it's, it's obviously going to be, by the time the episode drops, it'll probably be over. Nope. Still going. Uh, second bit of news, I'm thinking about doing, like, book vlogs and different things like that. I was actually thinking of maybe covering, like, something along the lines like Hair of the Dog or different indie authors that we've, you know, just tried to get them some spotlight. So, we'll go offline, we'll come up with some suggestions for that. Because I could do graphic novels, too, and stuff. Yeah. Maybe. That'd be fun. Because uh, I want to keep the videos kind of shorter, just be for the DPW YouTube. And I don't know. Anyway, if you want to keep up with all that stuff, you can go to drunkenpenwriting.com, go to Twitter at drunkpenwriting, Instagram and Facebook, drunkenpenwriting, and uh, Spencer, the Tanzanian taint tickler dot org. Orgasm. <laughs> Damn, I tried to stop myself from saying orgasm, but I couldn't. <laughs> hey, you know what's a good orgasm? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> facilitator <laughs> trying to think of the proper word word surge surge you pour some surge on it <laughs> and get the licking that tongue will start ooh it'll bite <laughs> that's obviously gonna get cut out too <laughs> cut out the whole episode <laughs>